0: Wow, this is the last week in Jonah. You know, it's gone by fast. You know, it's only been four weeks, and I'm excited about this today. I've got a good message that I believe is from the Lord, and uh, so um, I hope we can prepare our hearts to receive that. And I know a lot of us are excited about this week. You know, there are a lot of things going on. Thanksgiving uh, is coming up. As a matter of fact, after the service today, I'm going to pound to spend Thanksgiving with my family. All of our family is in. And so we'll be doing that today, I get to see them, I don't get to see them too often. But you know where you get excited about food, like we did this morning, right? And I like desserts, anybody else like desserts? Yeah, you get these desserts around Thanksgiving that you don't get throughout the year. You know, And, and desserts is a good way to reverse being stressed, right? You get that, yeah? Desserts is stress spelled backwards, so you just, you know, bring it on, you know? Hey, a lot of you are excited because uh, of Black Friday, and I don't understand that. You do realize that 364 days, you get ripped off, (laughs) and you get excited about one day, you get a good deal, right? Um, Black Friday to me is broke Saturday. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So I don't get into that, but if you do, hey, that's great. Um, uh, Many of you are excited about this, and I'm excited about this this week. This is is rivalry week coming up. All right, so I'm talking about football, you know, college football, some of the biggest rivalries that we know of are taking place. I'll just read a few of them here. Uh, Mississippi State versus Ole Miss. Don't know if that excites you or not, but it's there. Uh, Oregon versus Oregon State. Wow, all right. Uh, BYU versus Utah. Man, imagine that battle, that religious battle there. Uh, Arizona State versus Arizona. Who's the hottest team? (laughs) Georgia Tech versus Georgia. All right. Get a little bit closer to home. And this one is not an in-state uh, rivalry, but it's just there. I've, I've watched it for a long time. Michigan versus Ohio State. I can't wait to see that. And then Auburn versus Alabama. Some of you are excited about that, right? And then, look, this is one I'm not excited about. Virginia Tech and Virginia. A little, a little nervous about that one coming up. Um. I can remember when I played football in high school at Pound, our rival was Clintwood, and uh, we hated each other. <laughs> I mean, we were just literally like 10 minutes away, and, uh, you know, we, we would always just be rooting against each other, even when we wasn't playing one another. And uh, you all experienced, uh, Richland's experienced them yesterday, Ridgeview, right? And I'm so glad you beat them. <laughs> I am glad. I am so glad. That brought me so much pleasure yesterday, I just, (laughs) you know. Um, But isn't that funny? Isn't that funny? We have these rivalries in in high schools and sports and stuff like that, and and you really want to beat the team that you rival when you play them, right? Um, But you want them to lose, even when you're not playing them. Like you root for them when they're playing somebody else. Well, how do you feel when your rival wins? Upset, defeated, mad. Uh, some of you get depressed and close up shop for a week, you know, you <laughs> hide in your closet. Um, interestingly enough, uh, we, when we left off in Jonah last week, his rival had just won, so to speak. Um, the, the Lord had instructed Jonah to go to Nineveh, the most wicked city, the most wicked nation in the world and initially Jonah refused and he, he ran, right? He ran, he got on the ship and, and sailed away in the opposite direction. But God pursued him, God chased him down. God sent a storm, he sent a whale. Well, right? God is going after Jonah and pursuing him. And even though Jonah had failed, God gave Jonah a second chance. And this time, with Jonah's second chance, he, he obeyed the Lord. He went to Nineveh, he proclaimed the Lord's message. And look, the people of Nineveh repented. They repented. All of them. All of the people in the city repented. And they all cried out to God. And look, when we left off last week, God relented from destroying the city. He held back. That was such a remarkable work by God. Nineveh had turned to God, but in a a very real sense, look, Jonah was still running. Jonah was still running from God. And as we end this series today, we're going to see how this story ends. We're we're going to look back at one final conversation between God and and Jonah. And so our scripture, if you've got your Bible with you, uh, our scripture will be in Jonah chapter 4. We're going to look at the whole chapter today. And we get to see initially when we start, we get to see Jonah's response to what happened in Nineveh. We get to see Jonah's response to God's great work. Verse 1. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. And he became angry. You know, what's he talking about? Well, he's referring to what happened in Nineveh. He's referring to the people repenting in the city, turning to God. And to Jonah, look, he says, this seemed wrong. Wrong? You know, are you serious? I mean, Jonah, think about it. You went into this place and they believed you. They listened to you, right? They didn't think you were crazy, Uh, they didn't kill you, Jonah. You go into the world's most dangerous place, the world's most evil place, where they killed people every single day, and he escapes that. That seems wrong. Uh, Jonah's mission was a huge success. Many people, hundreds of thousands of people, had just repented and they turned to God. All of these people were saved from being destroyed by God. And you would think Jonah would have been happy, right? You would have thought he would have been excited about what just took place. But he wasn't. He wasn't. That was not what Jonah thought should have happened. And so he questioned God. He doubted God. He thought it was wrong. And he became angry. Verse 2. He prayed to the Lord. And I just want to tell you, this isn't like a uh, petition. You know, he is crying out to God here in anger. He prayed to the Lord, Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is, why I tr- that is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. It's interesting in this prayer that Jonah offers. We get a chance to see on the inside of him. Not just the outside, Jonah, but but the inside, Jonah, the inside, his heart. We get to look into the condition of his heart. You know, ironically, Jonah had survived this huge storm, this big storm, this great storm. But there was a bigger storm in his heart. In chapter 1, God told Jonah to go to Nineveh to preach against them. In other words, to warn them that judgment was coming. Jonah didn't want to go. And initially, we can read through that and we can say, well, yeah, obviously, that's the world's most wicked city. That's the world's most evil city. Bad things happen if I go there. They may not listen to me. They may even kill me. We initially think that's why he didn't want to go. But that wasn't it. The reason that Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh wasn't because he was afraid he would be killed. He was afraid he would succeed. Ultimately, Jonah didn't want the people of Nineveh, to be saved. He, he wanted them destroyed. He didn't want them to be shown grace. He wanted them to be judged. You see how Jonah sort of opened his heart up here. He knew what God would do if they obeyed. And that's what he's angry about. Verse 3. Now, Lord, look at this. Look at Jonah's heart. Take away my life. For it is better for me to die than to live. Look. Jonah felt that life in general was just out of order. The the things that he wanted were not taking place. They were not happening the way that he wanted them to, the way that he thought they should happen. The things that Jonah thought best, well, look, the Lord had a different plan. What pleased God displeased Jonah. What brought glory to God brought shame to Jonah. And so he's in this really strange state here of, of anger, a depression over what? Over God showing love to others. Really? That's what it is. How would God respond to this? Would he just strike Jonah down? You know. Look at verse 4. We see how God responded. But the Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry? Oh, look at that. Just a, an amazing response. I'm amazed here at how God responded to Jonah. He's gentle, very gentle, but he's straightforward. It reminds me of a counselor, right, or a therapist. You know, you, somebody's got a problem, and you go in, you maybe lay on a couch with them, and they're, they're not with them. but um, <laughs> You know what I mean. You lay, you lay on the couch, and they're in the chair. Oh, where was I at? <laughs> All right. Anyway, the therapist is sitting down with the person, right? And they are trying to help the person out. They're trying to get to the condition of the person's heart really out of love, out of trying to help them and things like that. And God says this very very gently. Is it right for you to be angry? Is it right? Jonah was, was angry and he was pouting. Anybody know anybody like that? they get angry so look he didn't answer God he didn't give him an answer at all instead he did this right here verse 5 Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city there he made himself a shelter sat in its shade and waited to see what would happen to the city all right you following this instead of answering God Jonah was pouting depressed angry ran outside of the city he had done his part right And he was done with the rest. He didn't want to be a part of it anymore, so he left. And he built himself this little tent, this makeshift shelter, and he sat. there he was, depressed, saddened, mad at God and mad at the world. We know people like that. Because Jonah had failed to recognize God's greater plan, he missed out on the joy, on the joy that was inside of the city. The joy that was brought to so many others. Here is Jonah on the outside, missing out. And and while he's out there, rather than use this time to examine himself, to spend time alone with God through prayer, to allow God to to work on him, he he examined Nineveh. He was looking back at the city almost as if hoping that they would change their minds about repentance. Hoping that they would go back to their evil ways. and, And almost like he's looking and waiting for God to destroy them. Still. You know, Jonah was in a very bad state spiritually. He was. There were still so many issues in his heart. And at this point, look, if I'm God, if you're God, wouldn't you be done with Jonah? I mean, how many times, really? I'd be done with him. But God, look, rich in mercy, rich in love. Use this opportunity to yet again try to reach and soften and change Jonah's heart. As Jonah is outside of the city, he's sitting in anger, he's pouting, he's, he's hoping that this city would still be destroyed. The Lord does this, verse 6, Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. So even though Jonah had this little little shelter here, it wasn't much to protect him from the, the scorching heat. So God sent this leaf, this leafy plant with big leaves to immediately grow up over Jonah and over his shelter so that he could have shade and so that Jonah could be comfortable. Follow me? And look at this. Four weeks now, this is the fourth week, for the first time, Jonah was happy. He was... Not just happy, but very happy. What was he happy about? The plant over his head. Jonah was happy because, listen, finally, something was going in his favor. Finally, something good happened to him. But what Jonah didn't realize was that the Lord was setting him up. And using this plant to teach him a valuable lesson, verse 7. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. Now, God sent a a plant to Jonah to bring him comfort. Then the very next day, God sent a worm, which is probably a caterpillar, right, Uh, to destroy the plant. very next day. And after the plant died, the Lord sent this scorching wind. And without any protection, Jonah is just vulnerable in, in this heat wave. He's being pounded. Look, Jonah went from being comfortable, from being treated lovingly by God, to being extremely comfortable and upset. Like that. Like that. And again, Jonah, he's ready to give up because he does, doesn't get his way. Why is God doing this? Why is, what is the point of this? What is God trying to do here? Verse 9. But God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Jonah says, it is, and I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. You know, the point of God sending the plant, the point of God sending the worm, the point of God sending the strong heat wave was to do this, was to expose Jonah's heart. God knew it. He wanted to bring it out. So hopefully Jonah would recognize it, the own condition. And yet again, God poses another gentle, very gentle, yet stern question to Jonah. Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? You know, it's interesting. Uh, Jonah didn't answer the first time that God asked him this. When he was uh, talking about saving Nineveh and Jonah being angry, God said, is it right for you to be angry? Jonah didn't answer, but this time, this time he did. He answered right away. Why? Why? What was the difference there? The difference was the plant benefited him. You see? The plant brought him comfort. God was providing for him. God was tending and ministering to him. God wasn't taking care of Nineveh. He was taking care of Jonah. You see? And so Jonah's heart was exposed, laid out. And with that, God gets straight to the point here. And God always has the final word, doesn't he? Verse 10, but the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant. Though you did not tend it or make it grow, it sprang up overnight and it died overnight. You see what God is doing here. He's looking at Jonah and saying, you're sad over a plant, bro? Seriously? You're that upset over a plant? I mean, Jonah showed great emotion over something so small. He showed great concern with something he had absolutely nothing at all to do with. But here's the thing, here's the thing, here's what God did. God finally got Jonah to express concern for something that perished. God finally got Jonah to show emotion over something that was going to be destroyed. You see that? Even though it was just a small plant, God still triggered that emotion. In verse 11, God says this, And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also so many animals? The Lord was teaching Jonah a very valuable lesson here in this. Jonah should have been just as concerned about the people in Nineveh perishing as he was with the plant perishing. Do you see that? There, there wasn't just a plant in Nineveh, Jonah. There were over 120,000 people who needed to hear about God. And that's what it means, people there who cannot tell their right from their left. It's not an insult to their uh, education. It is just showing us that they're spiritually ignorant. They had no clue about God. They were lost. They didn't know which way to go. And not only that, but God here at the very end throws in this, that there were many animals. In a two, It's almost like saying, Jonah, you showed concern about a plant? Well, here's some animals, too. Right? God was saying this, just like you were concerned about this plant perishing, I am concerned about people of this world perishing. And this is the way the book of Jonah ends. Like this, right here. That's the last verse. Very strange. A cliffhanger, I guess. But it definitely causes you to, to scratch your head and, and wonder what's going on. What does Jonah do? We are not told that. We're not told what Jonah did. But we are left to think about what we would do. right? We are challenged to think, well, what do we care about most? Ultimately, we're left to examine our own lives. And we have to ask ourselves this. Does my life relate to the way Jonah behaved? Does my heart look like Jonah's heart or does my heart look more like God's heart? That's what we have to do. So before we end the service, just a couple of things. We need to understand that God loves others. Understand that God loves others. This is the major theme of Jonah. Each and every week we've talked a little bit about this, but this is what God is trying to get across to Jonah, and we don't know if he ever does or not. Understand that God loves others. This is God's greater plan, to love others, to love the world. And tragically, tragically, this is something that Jonah failed to understand. As a matter of fact, I don't know if Jonah wanted to understand it. He was fine with God being his God and the God of his nation and his people, but he wanted to keep God to him and his own nation. He didn't want God to show love to others. He didn't want God to show love to those who were not like him. He didn't want God to show love to his enemies. He didn't want that. He didn't want that. He was more committed to himself than he was committed to God. He was more worried about his concerns rather than wanting to see God's plan come to pass. You see, Jonah was in every way and I want you to listen to me. In every way, Jonah was a religious hypocrite. He wanted all the benefits of God without extending the benefits of God. You see. He wanted to be treated well by God, but he didn't want others to be treated well by God. And that, look, that contradicts God's greater plan. It does That contradicts God's heart. And that definitely contradicts God's word. John 3, 16. And verse 17. Sometimes we leave that one off, but that one is good too. And I want you to listen. Maybe underline in your Bible the word world here. And and look and see how many times it's used. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son... That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. We need to understand that God loves others and not just us. Look, I know I opened up with a casual illustration about football. um, Those rivalries and stuff like that. But let me ask you this. What about people rivalries? Do you find yourself rooting against other people? Do you get mad when something good happens to a person you dislike? Do you sometimes find yourself hoping to see someone fail because they've wronged you? I'm I'm gonna speak plainly. Maybe it's an ex-spouse. Maybe it's a boss or a former boss that made your work unpleasant. Maybe, maybe it's a friend that broke your trust, and now you hope that they get what they deserve. Maybe it's someone that offended you. Maybe it's someone that embarrassed you, and now you've got a grudge. Now you're holding a grudge. You see, look, we have more in common with Jonah than what we may think. The truth that we're faced with is this. God loves the people that we don't. Did you hear me? God loves the people that we don't. And the question is, what do we do with that? How do we respond to that? Do we do we run from God and his plan or do we do we commit to God and we trust in his plan? You see, Another truth that we are faced with every single day, look, people are perishing. People are are going off into an eternity without God. You know, we get emotional over our teams losing. We get emotional over politics when the candidates that we hope will win and take office. When they lose, we get emotional, we get upset, and we get angry. We get emotional and upset and angry when our feelings get hurt. But do we get emotional over somebody that doesn't know the Lord? God's greater plan is to love the world and to save the world. And Jesus Jesus laid down his life for everyone, for every single person out there. Not just you, not just me. So we need to understand that God loves others. That is his plan regardless of what we do that is his plan next and this I think this will help we need to understand that God loves others but then we need to appreciate that God loves me and when I say me there I mean you individually as a person Jonah knew that God was gracious to others He, he saw that in Nineveh that's what bothered him but He failed to appreciate that God was gracious to him. He failed to recognize that. He failed to see it. Jonah was oblivious to the value of grace. What's grace? Well, grace is unmerited favor. It is God giving you something that you don't deserve. Jonah had been shown grace time and time again, and he didn't even realize it. You know, I'm amazed at the grace that God showed Nineveh. When you look at the world's most wicked city, the world's most evil city, and God showed them grace, but you know what I'm more surprised about? What I'm more amazed about is the continual grace that God showed Jonah time and time again. The Apostle Paul is someone who never really got over grace. He was always amazed by grace. It always blew him away. Look at this, Galatians Chapter 2, verses 20. These are my favorite two verses in all of the Bible here. And again, I want you to underline in your Bible, all right, or take notes, all the personal pronouns I and me, I and me, I and me. Verse 20 I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. You see, t- Paul gets it. The life I now live in the body. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and who gave himself for me. You see where Paul's going with that. You see his heart there. And because of that, because your grace has been given to me, because I'm so unworthy of your grace, because I understand what it took for you to show me love and to give me grace. Verse 21, I do not set aside grace. I do not set aside the grace of God. You know, unlike, unlike Jonah, Paul was humbled by God's grace. God, Paul was humbled that God would even love him. He was humbled and thankful that God would extend him grace on a personal level. Let me ask you this. Do you feel that way about God showing you grace? H- have you set aside the amazing grace of God? In your own life. Have you taken the grace that God has shown you for granted? You know, many times we do. Many times we do. And that's wrong. When we are bitter, when we are angry, when we are resentful towards others, it's a sure sign that we don't appreciate the grace that God has shown to us. Well, here's the right attitude we should have. Here is where our heart should be. Because God loves, I will be grateful. You see that? Just the fact that God loves, we should be grateful. If it's others, if it's me, just the fact that God loves should make us grateful. The greatest thing about God, folks, is that He loves That's the greatest thing. We could have a a creator God that just wanted to sit back and be distant, be uninvolved in creation, just leave us alone to our own destruction, leave us in our mess. We don't have that type of God. In, In so many ways, God has shown us that he wants to be involved. He wants a relationship with us, and he wants to love us. And he loved us so much that he wanted to keep us from perishing. He wanted to keep us from perishing. So he sent his son, Jesus, to save us. Now, aren't you glad? Aren't you grateful that we not only have a great God, but we have a loving God? Are you grateful? Psalm 136, verse 1. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures how long? Forever. Amen? Isn't that good? You know, let's live our lives to show God that we're grateful, that we are thankful for His grace. And then this week, as as you gather around the table with your families, spend some time holding hands. Spend some time in prayer, thanking God for His love and His grace, expressing your gratitude for His never ending love. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for that love this morning. The love that is so amazing. The the grace that we don't deserve that you showed us time and time again. Father, when we look at Jonah's heart, it was just so hard. He had not realized, he had not uh, appreciated the fact that you would even show him grace. Father, may we never be like that. May our hearts be thankful that you... You showed us each grace on an, each one of us grace on an individual level. Father, help us to look at the world the way that you see it and to see just an opportunity to show people love. Father, if we've been resentful, if we've been angry towards others, forgive us. Father, we want to join you in your work in this world. We want to be partners with you in your plan. We believe that's what you've called us to do. So, Father, continue to have your will and way in our lives. Continue to work on our hearts, just like you did with Jonah. Forgive us when we fail you, but give us the strength to get up and move on and move forward. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.